This is Copilots, the podcast where we masquerade as an airline and watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Okay, Batman. Here, we take that chance for you and let you know our opinions on if there's more than just one shot. Remember that time when everything had a Batman? That was part of the gimmick of the show. Every show had a Batman. I'm the Batman of this show. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be Better Off Ted. I'm not going to say I hated that. So, we did bullshit because we felt like doing bullshit, but also because this show, despite, in my opinion, being quite entertaining. Hey, we can't give away our, our verdict on the show yet. Fine, fine. Because we've never done that before. <laughs> we've not done that on most of our episodes. Yeah. It's a bit weird trying to follow the plot of the show because things just feel like they happen. If, like, okay, so he's not one of my favorite like directors or anything but i do like a lot of his works no, christopher nolan has like this pretty famous quote where he talks about how movies are mi- are dreams more than they are like coherent stories that's why we jump plot to plot in the movie why and, we like, can go into like an elevator and then be at the top floor of a building and we don't follow them in the elevator but when they get or like on when, they're having a conversation when they get off there or in the exact same spot of the conversation yeah like when people walk out of a building having a conversation and then show up where they were going that like a second later in the conversation yeah it's because movies follow dream logic not not like real world logic and television that fits with too and this show takes that idea to an extreme we just go from scene to scene with nary trend with nary a transition yeah and there's no sense of time like time in this show time in better off ted doesn't work like time in the real world it doesn't but that doesn't change anything so, the show opens with a commercial for a company. Well, before we get into that, I do want to hit on, this is Better Off Ted, you've said that. Yes. This is episode one, entitled Pilot. Yes. And it first aired in 2009. True, and we were also asked to review the show by a frequent flyer at a point. I don't remember if that was Dustin. It was Dustin. I was Dustin, okay. Hi Dustin, hopefully you're still listening and don't hate us. It took us a while, but we had a lot of weird shows we wanted to review. So, you know, it happens. Also, I kind of lost my original list of, like, shows. Just as found this on a dusty list somewhere in the attic. We have attics. Multiples, actually. On our plane. Yeah. Anyways, this show opens with what? A commercial for the company Viridian Dynamics. That doesn't sound real. That's because it's not. Okay. It is the company that our main character, Ted, works for. And he works at R&D there. He does. He's actually the head of it. But I actually love this commercial opening. It's just talking about things that Viridian Dynamics makes. And like two times throughout the opening commercial, it's every day something we make makes your life better. So they're just going through it and they show a picture of a cow. Power. We make Make that. that. Technology. We We make make that. that. Cows. Cows. We don't make that. But we have made a sheep. Then they jump through some stuff and... It ends with a encampment being blown up by a missile. And it repeats the same line of, Every day, something we make makes your life better. Usually. Viridian Dynamics. Live better. Yeah. And judging off the second episode, which I'm not reviewing right now, but judging off the second episode, each of these episodes are, is going to start with a Viridian Dynamics ad. And even if I don't watch all the show, I will at some point... Watch all the Viridian Dynamics ads? They're so good. They're, they're, it's like... If Aperture Science met The Office. That, that is the show overall. Like, hands down, quick, easy review if you feel like watching the show but don't want to have any of the show spoiled, which it's not really going to spoil the show. I think anything we're going to talk about. It might, get rid of, it, it might get rid of, like, a few jokes in a few moments. I don't know if you think, can oh, spoil these episodes. But, but, but I think, like, a lot of the jokes that exist in the show are all about delivery because they're not, like, super, like, side splitters. They're just like, <laughs> that was that was good. And a lot of it seems to be delivery, in my opinion. It is all delivery, because the line, they hurt the people they love when they're upset, isn't funny out of context. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, simple review. Hopefully it'll pique your interest. Like Josh said, this show is Aperture Science from the Portal games meets the television show The Office. From the Half-Life games? Both. 
from Black Mesa. Yeah. Yeah. Aperture Science from Steam's game library. Are you telling? I mean, like, I just from what we know from two episodes, verting and dynamics. Just using it at some point in one of the commercial ads, we do what we must because we can as a fucking line slogan. It fits with this company. Viridian Dynamics was just think a, about what they a, do to think about what they do to fill. We do what we must because we can. Viridian Dynamics was just a precursor to Aperture Science. Aperture Science like ended up merging four or five companies together and becoming Aperture. I could see it. Uh, okay, so we should probably did, did we just like make our own canon where Viridian Dyn- where this yes. show no, 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 that, is that's... a prequel to Portal. Yeah. So we should probably actually return to the show and not our weird off the cuff fan theories. Even though are, are we fans of this? I mean, I'm gonna watch. I mean, that's that's a spoiler for our review. I still don't know even after having watched. Like, I don't know what I can classify myself as, as I've only watched two episodes. So, like, even if I watch two episodes and love it, am I a fan or am I just intrigued by it? Depends on how many episodes it has. I, you know, I guess that's a good argument. Like, if you watch two episodes of Star Wars and love them, you're probably a Star Wars fan. But there's only nine episodes, so I feel like that's not so true anymore on solo doesn't count as an episode neither does rogue one no no i'm just saying like i feel like the statement of watching two episodes of star wars makes you a fan no no if you like them yeah doesn't hold so true anymore just because we have new ones because people that like have like five new ones anyways back to this show this this episode is a mess already yeah that's fine time doesn't exist here we're just embodying this show yes so after the quick advert we get ted he just is telling us about his job talking directly to us it's not like he's it's not like he's talking aloud to himself he's actively breaking the fourth wall looking us in the eye yeah he's talking to the camera like they do in the office but without the shitty shaky cam so i appreciate it more already fight me office fans i don't like your show i think it's time for me to reveal the truth i've only seen like two episodes of the office ever of the the u.s office ever yeah and i thought they were kind of lame not funny i'm not gonna fight you on that no people people are though it's fine i I did see most of the first They interact with us, and that's good. If they hate us too much, they just stop listening altogether. That's just like indifference. <laughs> I did watch most of the first season of the UK Office, though, and it's also not very good. I, I'm just not a fan of UK humor, though, like, as far as their comedy shows go. Yeah. Their comedians are all, like, fucking A-tier, though. <laughs> yeah. They're... So, anyways, Chad's telling us about his job. He had just became the head of the R&D for Viridian a about year, a year ago. A year ago, he says, yes. Which, based on this episode, a year is four minutes of screen time. I mean, logically, yeah. (laughs) So, the entire time he's telling us about his job and a bit about Viridian, it's being interspersed with these points where his boss, Veronica, is coming in and telling him what the company wants to have researched and developed. The first time she comes in, she's like, we want a metal that's as strong as steel, but as bouncy as rubber. Yeah. And edible. It's just like, we can do that. Then she comes in and she's like, we want a mouse that can survive 193 degrees. And he's like, we can do that. Um, computer or living? And she has, to be, she has to go. I'll get back to you on that. And she leaves. She comes back and she's like, computer mouse. And he's like, that's easier. And, and then she comes in and tells them that they want to weaponize pumpkins. Because one of the countries they do business with has a lot of pumpkins. Yeah. Um, and they'd like to make warfare cheaper. Yeah. From there, we go to the pumpkin meeting. Yeah. Where it's just all these people sitting in a room and we get one doctor explaining a fungus that destroys pumpkins and talking about weaponizing the he fungus that grows ha- on pumpkins. He already has samples of the pumpkins yeah. he's talking about. He already has a presentation, mm-hmm. but she just pitched this idea yes. on screen time like a minute ago. Yeah. There's no way he has a presentation fully ready. Exactly. We're already skipping quite ahead. So everyone in the meeting is just blasé with the fact he's just like, yeah, so then we'll make this into a bioweapon that'll kill soldiers, but giving them like a soft downy coating. And then they'll die. And it's not until he says die that they kind of respond. But like, and even then, the most response we really get is from Ted, and his eyes kind of widen a bit. No, some uh, some woman's like, <gasps> uh, she gives a gasp. There's a gasp in the room. Is it Linda? Is Linda in the room? She I don't know. Like Linda's only, not in the room. She seems like the only kind of reasonable person so far throughout the show. I think she's actually the main character. I think the show is secretly all about Linda. That or Phil, given the first two episodes. After that, we're introduced to Phil and Lim. Yes. Lim first. We are introduced to them by seeing them use the bathroom. And Ted's still narrating for us. And he's like, and Lim's sitting there on the ba- in the bathroom. And he's reach- he's reaching for some toilet paper. Like, really reaching. It's really far fucking away. And Ted's like, he's a genius. 
No, really. I, I know, like, he's having trouble getting this toilet paper, but he really is a genius. And then it's like, and so is Phil. They've been working together, and it cuts over to, like, the next all over. And, and Phil is holding the toilet paper in his hand. He's taken it off the roll and brought it with him. So we follow those two out of the bathroom, and they're having a conversation about how the company has moved the toilet paper further from the toilets, so you can't really reach it, so you use less of it. And while they're, while they're having this conversation, Phil is trying to get a drink of water from the water fountain. Which has a sensor to trigger it at head level. Like, standing up head level. So he's using his hand to try to swipe it and then lean over to get the water. The water is stopping long before his head gets near it. It's, like, on for, like, half a second. It, like, comes on. He goes to he goes to bend down and drink it and it turns off. This is a running theme through not only this episode, but a later episode, but the next episode, where this company is super, super, like, inventive about how it can be cheap. Yes, yes it is. So, Lim and Phil, we continue to follow, and they go off into their lab. And Lim's just talking about how it's not fair. Phil's just like, just take the toilet paper roll with you. You'll get used to it. That'll become normal. And Lim's talking about how it's not fair. He's a fighter. Like the thing with a sandwich a week ago. He could have fought that. If he had wanted to, he would have fought that. Yeah. If he thought he could win, he would have fought that. And he knows he could win, so he should have fought that. Why didn't he fight that? And then we have Ted come into the lab, and just like, Still talking about the sandwich thing? Lim's like, I could have won that. And Ted's like, your mom's a tough lady. You instinctively knew you couldn't win that. That's why you didn't fight. Yeah. So we know that Lim's mother still makes him food for work from the way they talk about it in the conversation. And Lim just mentions offhand that his mother has apparently just killed a bat with a People's Magazine once. And they, they play it off as like, that's really hard to do. But like, if you bundle a magazine really tight, that's a pretty good bat. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's weird, but I don't think it's hard. I, I understand you used the fact that the people's magazine becomes like a bat, and then you used to kill a bat. That's I, I mean I didn't mean you to didn't make that realize joke, it on purpose, but, but then you did. I didn't I didn't intend to make that joke. But yeah, it makes a really solid weapon like to smack something with. But like if it's flying and you smack it, you got its momentum coming towards you, and then swing momentum, and you yes, hit yes. the wing or the head. Okay, but yeah, I, I think that I don't think it's that tough to kill a bat with a magazine. Yeah, so we're, we're basically just done with Lim and Phil for the moment after that. We just get introduced to them. And then we have Ted walking back through the office areas when Veronica shows up with... She says, the drones who are working on the spy drones came up with this fabric and they don't have any use for it. Find something to do with it. And uh, Ted looked and he's like, durable, has a nice texture. Nice coloration. Nice coloration. This could be a good breakfast food. You know, breakfast, he's like... I think we can make i think we can use this for a breakfast meal and she's yeah she like freaks out she's like really, really? you know we've been wanting to get into that market and she's like no you have to learn to take a joke she's like i'm i'm relaxed i i can joke maybe me not knowing was me pretending not to know that that was a joke so i made this comment lot um while we were watching the episode but for the audience at home there's a web series called conversations with my two-year-old daughter it's amazing and later conversations with my three-year-old daughter it's also amazing and it's the same thing. later conversations with my four-year-old daughter and by that time by that point the daughter's got enough reasoning skills that the show's kind of went downhill but the way veronica talks just reminds me of like the recreation of the conversations with his daughter in that series you should go watch it it's on youtube it's free go watch it do it also back to this show so we see ted just throw the material out lemon fill and tell them to make a chair this actually happens after the scene with veronica happens before we ever go to ted in the lab because, oh, yeah, because he's like... Okay, so he shows up in the lab with the material. Yeah, because Lim is like... I don't remember when he shows up in the lab and not, because it doesn't... Like, yeah, because the time is weird. Part of the conversation is, he's like, yeah, your mom's tough, but she can't make something out of nothing. nothing. Like, you can. Now make me something out of this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so they make an office chair. And then we see them testing the office chair. Because they Linda, have, like... Because Linda does testing. This is yes. our first actual introduction to Linda. She has been working there for six months. Yeah. And this also makes us question, again, the time, because well, the turnaround on this chair is almost immediate. She hasn't been working there six months yet. We get the six months later when he's presenting her data from the testing. Yes. Which so this, has been at least a couple yeah. weeks, because that's how testing works. But immediately they have, like, minimum of eight chairs, because it's just, like, this area in the office where everyone's using these chairs. Mm-hmm. And these chairs are itchy and uncomfortable, and they are driving people fucking crazy. And she's like, they can't sit still. They, they don't want to touch the fabric at all. And he's like, or maybe the reason they're rubbing their body against it is because they want the, their entire body to fill the amazing fabric. Yes. And she's like, I know you're an R&D legend, and you have R&D magic, 
but no, you're wrong. And then we cut to a scene to him walking down the hall with a file folder. And he's talking about, I always say you, you, you can't give up. I always tell my daughter, you can't give up. And she always tells me to stop telling her that, that she can't give up. But, that, but I tell her I can't because that would be giving up. Yes. <laughs> and like the whole the whole little sp- spill there about telling his daughter that you can't ever give up is about her. Linda having told him these chairs will never work. And he's ha- he has this information from the testing. Yeah, he he's has this up nice manila folder with results. And he hands it to Linda. Well, we enter Linda's cubicle and he doesn't hand it to Linda right away because Linda's on the phone. Yes. She is talking and she's she's just like, and then the toaster and the zebra just run off. No, don't have the toaster do that. Then he sounds like a sociopath. He's not like he's not mean. He doesn't want to make toast anymore. Turns out Linda's trying to write a children's book and her illustrator doesn't understand it at all. Yeah. So Ted like mockingly jokes about it and she's just like, Exactly, you get the toaster entirely because he makes a joke about You get the toaster and his and his dynamic relationship with the power socket so well and he's like and then Ted's like, Yeah, because the power socket holds all the power. Yeah. Because he was making a joke about how the toaster's trying to run away with having the outlet holds all the power and needing to be plugged into an outlet. Yeah. But then he hands her the results and he's like, Look, when they're using this chair, they're all more efficient. their their productivity goes up. Yes. It was like what, a twenty percent? Uh, I don't remember if they give us an exact percent. I think they do. It's a pretty good increase. What I do know is that they then are over back in the testing area with the chairs and the people are all squirming still. And he's like, see, when you can't sit still, you don't you can't get bored enough to daydream or. Yeah, you, you just try to get done with your work as fast as possible. And then one of the guys stands up screaming, I can't take this anymore. Well, No, like before that, he goes, in fact, the scratchier, the better. And then we oh, see yeah. Lemon and Phil in the office testing a new version of the fabric. Yeah, it's very brief um, about it. Phil runs his hand across it, pulls his hand back like it cut him, and they're examining it under a magnifying glass to see how abrasive it was. And they roll out a new line of chairs for the office people to test. Yeah, it, it's a chair. They have a ribbon on it, and we see a plaque that says... Pre- You're skipping more, because I'm, I'm still talking about the testing phase. Because they rolled this new chair... I don't know well. with the abra- <laughs> With the abrasive fabric. The time of this show is weird. With the abrasive fabric, and Ted's like, see, the more uncomfortable it is, the more, the more the production goes up. Until... And then the guy stands up and goes, ah, I can't take it anymore. Get this off of me. He runs screaming, like scratching at his skin towards yeah. the elevator. And Ted's like, until they go insane. So they turn it back down to a... We also have Linda's cutting remark about how it just makes them hate everything. Yeah. More. The, see, they're more productive. And they hate more. And then the guy snaps. Yeah, well, right after she says yeah. that, yeah. And then we cut to them rolling out the like congratulations that there's a cake and they've a cut, chair with a red ribbon and a black. They've reduced the scratchiness of the fabric mm-hmm. to a acceptable level, and it's called the Taskmaster chair. Yep. And they've pre-sold one million of these, and they're rolling this out like for production now. You know what's sad? Which means you, you know what's actually sad? What's that? How many companies I can see actually buying those in real life because they do shit like that to make their employees uncomfortable. Like the fucking toilets that exist at a fucking incline that are actually bad for your back and posture. That way you don't like waste time in a bathroom. So I don't. So I don't check my Twitter and my poop breaks. Yes, basically, those are toilets that exist that companies will fucking buy, and it's just like, I'll, I'll just reverse cowboy that and sit facing the wall, like hold the metal bar, like of the toilet. Yeah, like, I mean, honestly, worst comes to worst, fuck you. I'll still be in the stall. I'm just gonna fucking stand here. You think your slanted toilets can stop my Twitter breaks? Yeah, no, like the amount of people, the fact that they could do that makes sense. And that's the part that hurts me the most. So the really important thing here is this episode is only about half over. Yes. And we've went from here's this cool, here's this fabric, turn it into a product to rolling out a fully, a fully like fledged chair for production Mm -hmm. with a million pre-sales. That doesn't happen in a week. No, hell no. That doesn't happen in a month. Also, I, I realized something I forgot to mention. Linda's not introduced right with the chair testing. She's introduced stealing Kramer. Oh, yeah. Th- that's not super important. Linda just steals Kramer from the company because she hates them. Because, well, that's something we missed earlier. Um, when she's on the phone with her illustrator, she gets off the phone and she's talking to Ted about the, the Taskmaster's chair and how being uncomfortable makes me more productive she's like did you know the company sends you phone bills for the for the non-work related calls you make not that they charge you for them 
They just want you to know that they know when you're not making work-related calls. Can a company be bitchy? Ted doesn't reply to that, but the answer is yes. Companies can be bitchy, just like people. Yeah. Anything made of people can have the attributes of people, including Jeffrey Dahmer's furniture. I was going to say Mrs. Lovett's meat pies. (laughs) You went with a fictional serial killer, and I went with a real one. Yeah. So that's the first half of this episode. Um... Next, we cut back to Ted in his office, and... And Veronica comes in. And she says, your department has a creamer problem. Yeah. Ted's like, is that an issue? And she's like, not a Katrina-level issue, because this is a couple years after Hurricane Katrina, and that was actually, like, an understandable reference. In 2020, there are people that are not going to understand that reference. Which is sad. Is it? That Katrina was, like, 2005. That was 15 years ago. Oh, fuck. I was, like, in fifth grade, I think. I should have. I was in fifth grade because we had a we had a sock hop for Katrina, like donating fundraiser really for, for yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely shouldn't feel old by that, but I do. Okay, so then Phil comes in. That sock hop was lit because we got out of like the back half of the day, and we just had to pay to go. Okay, and... then Phil comes in, <laughs> and Veronica's like, "Phil, just the person I wanted to talk about." Phil, you're the reason why I was here. I'm oh, here. Yeah, you're the reason why I'm here. And he's like, "Oh, really?" And she's like, "Yeah." And so he goes. He was trying to say something to Ted. And he's like. Oh, and he tries to engage Veronica in conversation. He's like, go. And he's like, what? And she's like, I want to talk about you, you, not not to you. you. And so he leaves and Veronica tells Ted that the company wants to freeze Phil. Just before, like everything before she tells Ted that that the company wants to freeze Phil sounds so much like conversations with my two-year-old daughter. Yes. Yes, it does. But then she tells (laughs) Ted the company wants to freeze Phil. And Ted's just like, why? Why do you want to freeze Phil? Well, We've had some success with animals, and we want to see if we can freeze a person. Originally, they suggested Lim, but the company knows not to freeze the black guy. Yep, that's pretty much the scene. And and Ted learns that he's the one who has to tell Phil that the company wants to freeze him. Yep, and he's like, Phil doesn't like cold or small spaces. This seems like a bad idea. He's not your guy for this. It's a hard sell. But then he pitches it to Phil. And, and he pitches it to Phil by telling Phil that he'll be a... Pioneer. Friend. Yeah, a pioneer. He'll be leading on this frontier. He'll go somewhere whenever no one else has ever gone before and come back. So he sells Phil on this idea. Phil's just like, I've talked to my wife first, but okay. So I don't want to like misrepresent facts here, but I know there's a case where a child fell into a pond in very cold conditions and was underwater for several, like, I, I want to say almost an hour like, and was clinically dead. Shrug. And they managed to bring the kid back with minimal brain damage. I have no idea. I, I I can find that article somewhere and link it. So, technically, he's not going to a new frontier. A child beat him to it by accident. True. So, then we see Ted talking to his daughter. And his daughter's just like, that doesn't seem... So, you're going to have Phil be frozen. You're going to have him do something you wouldn't do? But I like Phil. He came to my birthday party. Maybe you'll like Phil better when he's frozen. <laughs> and she's just like, I like Phil at his current temperature <gasps> oh it's so good what you're doing is wrong and then Ted's just like fuck of course you know what's wrong because i had to teach you it was wrong i had to teach you right from wrong why did i do that yeah um and so we immediately cut back to i guess a different day at work yes because again there's no way to tell time in the show and ted is now trying to talk phil out of being frozen because phil is fine with it and his wife who is a mean spiteful rude lady is surprisingly excited about it. Yeah, I think she just looks at it as a year with no Phil. Also, I think we forgot to mention when Phil's originally talking to Ted, he's like, am I still going to be paid? And Ted's like, it's work. Sure, I think. Maybe. I'll, I'll have to ask. So in their conversation now, when Ted's trying to convince Phil he doesn't have to, he makes the fun statement of, the company can't make you participate in a human experiment. They lost that court case. This company has tried to force their employees into human experimentation to a degree where someone took them to fucking court over it. Meridian Dynamics is literally just the precursor to Aperture Science. They are, and I love it. At some point, Aperture was just like, you know that lawsuit Viridian lost? I think we could win it. Uh, I don't think they, they said, I think we can win it. I think they went, Viridian lost that. <laughs> as long as our employees don't say anything about it, we're fine. Uh, I really really wish i could do a jk simmons impression i think that's closer to what happened but anyways they convinced phil to get frozen him and lim aren't happy with each other lim is unhappy that his 
lab partner, friend, best friend is going to be frozen and phil just thinks slim is mean i mean to be fair phil is a little mean <laughs> yes there is a great moment where Liam's just like why are you being so mean and he delivers it perfectly and at that point it's actually just a good question the delivery there is so great it's probably one of the best delivered lines in this entire episode yeah so then we kind of just cut to phil being frozen yep and they mentioned that his eyes might explode when they get down to negative 20 degrees, which um, prompted me to question negative 20 degrees what? Because Celsius and Fahrenheit, those are both very livable te- temperatures. Yes. And if we're talking negative 20 degrees core temperature of his body, his eyes should freeze before negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit because yeah. they're water. Mo- mostly liquid, they're, yeah. They're, they're saline water, but a saline water would still freeze before mm. negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit, would it not? I would assume so. Yeah, like it, it, that's fifty degrees below freezing, and it's negative twenty-eight degrees below below freezing for Celsius. You know, I'm gonna explain the rest of the scene. So Veronica nopes out when somebody mentions that his eyes might explode. She's like, mm, "Not for me." And no, she no, no. She nopes out after the pumpkin scientist we see, the one who's weaponizing pumpkins, talks about how he has seen a rabbit, an eel, an elk, and some other animals all explode from the inside, but never but not a, human. a human. Yeah. So she nopes out, and then Linda is just talking to Ted, and she's like, this is completely normal, right? Normal companies freeze their employees. This happens everywhere. And Ted's just kind of nodding along. So they get to the negative 20 degrees, and this is actually a really good physical humor moment. Like, everybody immediately looks away from Phil and the cryo chamber when it hits negative 20, except for the pumpkin guy. He's, like, looking on excitedly, and then nothing happens, so they all look back at the tank, and it successfully reaches full cryo, and... Phil is now frozen. Now, while this all happens, during the tense moment of not looking at the cryo tank, Phil and Linda somehow grab each other's hands and are holding hands now. Yes. They notice this and they separate their hands and give each other kind of a look. I'm going to need justice after that because I kind of forget where this goes after that because this show does not follow timeline. Then it's just the elevator conversation about how he's already had his one office affair, right? Yeah. Which, when he makes the statement, Josh and I both thought, this is just a rule of Rudy and Dynamics. Everyone gets one office affair. It had to be a rule. Like, the way he just said it, he's like... He just says it so matter-of-fact and straight up, I've already had my one office affair. Like, and she doesn't question that as a statement. And he had his one office affair with Veronica. Um, so he kind of just details that. And it, it's this fun moment where Veronica's, like, flirting with him. She, she's just like... In the flashback, yeah. I'm so vulnerable. <laughs> no, the best is, she's like, I want to have sex with you. And he's like... Okay. okay and she's like can't you see i'm trembling and he's like no, no, you're, no, not. You're, no you're not and she's like yeah i guess i'm not i have a hard time opening up to people and showing how i really am i guess that makes me vulnerable no he doesn't <laughs> oh well what does that leave us and then he just shows them afterwards laying on his desk yeah. both exhausted and out of breath and she's like okay we're good i'm at i'm done here but yeah so in the elevator, Linda looks at Phil. She's like, "Yeah, that's okay." And the elevator doors slide open, and it's Veronica. And she's like, "Who would have an affair with their boss, anyways?" That's stupid. And obviously, Veronica knows what they're talking about because she was the one that he had an affair with, and she's his boss. Yes. And so this creates a dynamic between Linda and Veronica. After this scene, then we see Ted in the lab talking about how the company's agreed to let Phil stay in the lab with his friends. Yep, and then, and then Veronica shows up, and we're getting this view from inside Phil's cryogenic chamber. She's like, that's creepy. We're moving him to the basement tomorrow. Oh, well, we're moving him tomorrow. And Dad's like, where are we moving him to? The basement. But I've also heard talk about India. Oh, this show just, it doesn't. So this man who's been frozen for, just given the weird time span, maybe a week at most, I'd, I'd say. It's been three days. Oh. Um, Ted says that. Okay, we actually have a day. It's been three we, days. We, <laughs> Three days he stayed in his lab when this company has promised to leave him in there. But so they're talking about that, and we just kind of cut to two maintenance men, just general maintenance men, walking into this lab. They have no idea what they're doing. With just a trolley to put it on. Not keeping in mind that it's attached to so many other things on a raised platform as well. So they're just leaning it over. A raised platform with stairs. There's yes. no ramp. So they're leaning it over. And one of the guys gets a phone call. And he takes it. And the other guy's like, what the fuck? He drops Phil's chamber. Bounces down, down the stair. Detaches from whatever freezing unit they're using. And he thaws out. And then we cut to Ted talking to his daughter, whose name is Rose. We didn't mention that earlier. Yes. And she's like, he thawed out. How'd that happen? And Ted's like, very technical process. Yes. Is everything good? Yeah. Except for maybe one little thing. And then we cut to a meeting. Yes, where Phil is just talking about some sciencey stuff. 
And then he just starts doing... That was such a spot-on rendition. I lost it towards the end, but it was good at first. <laughs> it was so good. And apparently, he just does that now sometimes. And he doesn't remember when he does it, and he doesn't have control over when it happens. It just happens. And so, Linda and and Ted have a conversation. Linda's like, yeah, we're firing him. By, like, we, by we're firing him, you're firing him. And Ted's just like, what? But Phil let us freeze him. And so... We then cut to a scene where Veronica approaches Linda and surprises Linda. She's at the copy machine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Veronica's like, hmm. there, there's a tiny scene before this after Veronica yeah, asks Yeah, Ver- Veronica's just talking to Ted and she's like, you shouldn't hook up with Linda. You can't sleep with Linda. That would look bad for me. Also, I might not be done with you. And then she approaches Linda and she says Linda's name and Linda jumps and she's like, what? I, why, I know a lot about you. Why are you so jumpy? I'm friendly. This is me being friendly. And Linda's like, I just didn't think you knew my name. Yeah, and Veronica goes, I know a lot about you, Linda. Zwarting Ling. 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 And she's like, it's Zwarting Ling? Oh, look at me. Oh, look at you. You know your name better than I do. (laughs) And then she just walks off. Yes. Oh, look at you. You know your name better than I do. (laughs) Yeah. Then we cut again. Ted Ted and Veronica Veronica are in an elevator again. And Ted's just like, I don't think we should, like, make any decisive plans to fire Phil. It's a little too early to tell. We should hold off on making any decisions. Yeah. And she's like, you're right. We should wait. We, we should wait until Friday. Makes so, it easier for payroll. Yes. So then we cut to Ted at home with his daughter again. Yeah. Because again. And she's like, you're going to fire Phil? Do adults not even care about what's right? And Ted's like, if you brush your teeth, he's, she, he's tucking her into bed. And she's like, don't change the subject. And then we cut back to the next day. And it's again, Ted and Veronica walking off the elevator and through the hallway. Mm-hmm. And they're having a conversation, and then they see Phil. And he's like, hey, guys. And she's like, oh, hey, you seem to be blinking better now. And then she turns to Ted, and she's like, he's like, she, and she's like, why is he still here? And Ted's talking about how he's such a great scientist, and as he's doing that, Phil just goes, Gah! And he's like, you're not helping my situation. And, and Phil just stops. Like, the yeah, no, time. like he yells, dude. At, yeah, at, he yells, dude. You're not helping, and Phil just stops. Yeah, like, outside stimuli can snap him out of it. Yes. We learned that in the next episode. And then he tells Veronica that he's not firing Phil. She's like, but they want you to. I'm not I'm not firing Phil. They're not going to like that. Th- that's going to upset them. And they hurt the people they love when, they ups- when they're upset, Ted. Well, and then maybe... Lo- and they love you. Well, then maybe I should talk to them. No. They're not going to want to talk to you when you're like this. Yeah, and then she just walks off. And the episode ends. That's the end of the first episode. We took 40 minutes to talk about this 22-minute episode. We did not take 40 minutes to talk about this 22-minute episode. We took 40 minutes to talk about a bunch... <laughs> we took, like, 20 minutes to talk about a bunch of other shit. And, like, maybe 20 minutes to talk about this 20 I don't know. Episode. We've been talking about this episode for at least 30 minutes. It's, <laughs> it's insane. We diverted a fuck ton. Anyways... What do you think of this first episode? I just love the way every fucking line in this show is delivered. By the end of episode one, I'm going to say, yeah, fucking watch more of this show. It is Aperture Science meets The Office, except without all the boring shit of The Office and all the, and just all the great things of Aperture Science. Minus the portal guns, moon dust, robots, J.K. Simmons. All, no, no, no. I said all the Wheatley great things. Core. All the great things about Aperture Science, the company, not portals, the game. Those are all part of Aperture Science. Yeah, the, but the, the portals aren't really like much of Aperture Science anymore because Aperture Science is kind of just gone by that point. GLaDOS. It, it, is, it is a building. I highly doubt the company actually exists as an LLC anymore. That's fair. It's probably just a deteriorating building state that GLaDOS I mean, J.K. Simmons in. definitely was part of Aperture Science. Yeah. Well, Cave Johnson was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also they also invented the GLaDOS, the GLaD operating system. They did. So what do you think of the end of this episode? I mean, I like it. It's funny. It might be one of the funniest things we've ever reviewed, counting ghost stories in there. So they're both similar in this regard. Every scene is a joke. Yeah, basically. Everything that happens in this show is a joke. A lot of it's deadpan delivery that's not like a joke within the context this of the a show. This like drier delivery and drier humor. And ghost stories are a lot more erratic, random humor. But they, they both are kind of set up that way. And they're both really funny, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I would watch more of this. I'm going to watch more of this at some point. And even if I don't watch the entire series, all 26 episodes, I will watch all of the Viridian commercials. Okay, cool. 
Okay, we're going to go watch episode two, and we'll be right back with a review for that one. We've already watched all of this show, but it, it's weird trying to take notes on it. So if we're trying a new thing where we watch the episode, talk about the episode. Yeah, this show doesn't take notes well. It doesn't. Anyways, we'll be back. See you in like three seconds. And that was episode two. Thank you for joining us. This has been Copilot's Review. No, 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 no. We just finished watching episode two again. We haven't talked about it yet. Oh. Yeah. Episode two was entitled Heroes. Why would you take that from me? Because you fucked it up. It's mine for the grabs. <laughs> okay, so this episode talks starts off with Phil and Veronica talking. No, it starts off with a Viridian Dynamics advert. I mean, all episodes start off with that. Yes. As far and as this know. one is talking about food and food-like products. Viridian Dynamics is the leader is the leader in developing food and food-like products for the next generation. Like tomatoes the size of this baby. It says as a baby crawls across the screen. Apparently they're making a fish that tastes like a lemon. And they can make turnip or is it radishes. It's radishes. Radishes so spicy that humans can't eat them. But they don't. But they can. Food. Yum. But also, that's not true. You can't make something so spicy humans can't eat it. Yeah, let's don't fucking try. We're stupid. Yeah, we are. So then you can get to how you thought the show started. No, I just skipped the ad. That's all I did. I don't know why you would. It's great. You know, that's the best part. We've already mentioned that like twice, yeah. three times, four times now. Um, so then the episode opens on Veronica and Ted outside of Ted's office. Yes. Talking. And Veronica asks him. She just makes like generic talk because she wants to try small talk. And then she's like, oh my God, stop. It feels like I pissed away my entire day. And then she's like, so our, what, what is it called? We need a new food product. The extra fun mac and cheese didn't work out. Extra fun mac and cheese seems to cause blindness if eaten more than twice a week. Plus no longer how long it cooks, it never gets warm. And then Ted's like, maybe it's not mac and cheese. <laughs> this is her best line in <laughs> the entire is, episode. No, no, no. It has to be. The box has already been made. <laughs> it's the best line in the entire, her, her best line in the entire episode. No, no, no. It has to be. The box is already done. Yeah. And so Ted's tasked with finding a new meat, pro a new food product for Friday's presentation. Yeah. And apparently they've been working on making beef from a lab culture without having to use an actual cow. So she wants them to do that. Well, that's what they decided to do because yeah. that's the only project they have that's even close to done. And food related. Yeah. So Phil and Lynn are the, are the, are the people in, head, in charge of this project and they end up presenting it to a group meeting. So yes. Which, just before the group meeting, it's just, like, Linda in the bathroom talking about how Linda hates working here and just hates the company, kind of. And she's trying to dry her hands, but every time she swipes her hands in front of this towel dispenser... It really feels like, what, maybe an inch of towel? No, an inch of towel's like that. Like, half an inch of towel? I think you're still overestimating it. We're talking, like, centimeter. I mean... There's 2.54 of those bros in an inch, and, <laughs> the, the, like... Yeah, okay, yeah, that sounds right, you're right. It's so tiny. And, and the name of their towel dispenser is Averting Dynamics Towelizer. Yep. And we cut to the meeting where they're talking about the cowless beef. Yes. And Phil explains. Very and Lim scientifically. Lim explains this very scientifically. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And Phil's just like, beef without a cow. And Lim's like, that's what I said. And Phil's like, I was just saying it more plain. I was just explaining it. And he's yeah. like, no, you were just repeating me. Yeah. So then they're arguing a bit. And then Phil starts doing his screaming stuff. I'm not doing it this time. Oh. You can't make me. And I'm not going to keep doing that to the fucking listeners. That's and, rude. And then Phil starts to do his screamy stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought if I said it, you might do it. No. <laughs> and um, so Veronica pulls out a water bottle down from her side and squirts him in the face. Not a water bottle. Like when you say water bottle, I'm thinking like, like a, a water squirt bottle. Like a, yeah. Like a spray bottle filled with water like you might for like an animal. Like you might keep to keep cats off of stuff that they shouldn't be yeah. on. And sprays him in the face. So he snaps out and he's like, why is my face wet? Well, first he's like, did I do it again? Mm -hmm. And Lim's like, yes. yes, it seems you're getting louder. And he's like, why am I wet? And Veronica tells him, maybe you urinated. On my face? And she gives like a sort of like from the chest, like shrug with your hands. like Yeah. And then Linda walks in. She's late for the meeting. She's saying she's sorry for being late. She spent 20 minutes trying to dry her hands. Which that tracks. Fair. I mean... It might save the company on paper towels, but it's definitely not saving them on saving them on. I um, think the company's encouraging you to like dry your hands and your clothing, or bring your own towel to work. They're yeah. like, fuck it, bring hand towels. Your bring own. your towel to work day. It's every fucking day. Bring your own towels. And Ted's like, it's okay. We were just talk talking about making um, cowless beef in a lab, and she's like, that's disturbing and creepy. And everybody stares at her because yeah, and she's like, oh wait, 
we're doing that. And that's the end of this scene. Yeah. We get more of Ted and Linda just kind of like lingering afterwards to stare at each other. Mm-hmm. But that's, they don't really do anything from there. From here, we go to the coffee break, right? No. No, but, I believe we get why legal. Oh, yeah. Ted thinks, and Veronica talking to. Yeah, yeah. Because legal has a few theories. At this point, Ted's not talking to Veronica yet. It's mm-hmm. just one of his voiceovers. He's like, yep. legal has a few theories as to why Phil might be doing that, his screaming thing. One is that mm-hmm. he was traumatized by a burn-in from a chicken pot pie. And it shows him in like the break room, pulling a chicken pot pie out. Or from an old football injury, and it's him in the lab with goggles down over his eyes, and him and Lamb are playing table football with a piece of paper. And it like hits just above his eyebrow. And then Ted's like, but I think it's probably because we cryogenically froze him for three days and then unfroze him without meaning to. Yeah. And then we go to Veronica and Ted talking. In the cafe- in the break room, right? Yeah, sorry. It's Ted and Linda talking in the break mm-hmm. room. Ted and, and then Linda. Veronica will come up. Yeah, yeah. Ted and Linda are just talking. It's once again about the fact that she still creamer. And, and he's just like, why are you taking creamer this time? She's like, I spent 20 minutes trying to dry my hands. I'm going to take 20 minutes worth of creamer. How, how much creamer is that? It's an infinite amount. So, so just a fun fact for anyone out there. So apparently creamer in an equivalent in a format of time, 20 minutes of time transferred to the creamer to, to like changing the base of time to creamer. If we were doing a... So if we measure time in base creamer. Yes, if we measure time in base creamer, 20 minutes of time is equivalent to infinity over creamer. So if we set that up as a proportion, it's 20 over time. I, I, and I, we have infinity over creamer. I do wonder when you hit that. Like, is 19 creamer? I mean, is 19 minutes of time still infinite creamer? When do we cross the threshold? I don't between... know. But, but we do know that 20 minutes. And we're not even sure if it's like an equal basis. Maybe 21 minutes is not equal to infinite creamer. I don't know how that would we, work. we don't know how time exactly changes over into creamer. But we we do don't know, know how time minutes. works in the show. Yeah, but we do know 20 minutes is equivalent to infinite creamer. And then Linda comes in. Well, sorry. Linda and Ted are talking about how Linda still wants to fuck Ted. Yeah, because what it comes down to basically is she's explaining this is the only way to help keep her sane and you don't want to see her when she's not sane. And he's like, yeah, this is your sane. She's like, it could be worse. Like, what if I don't have the creamer? And they're talking about the affair thing. She's like, I don't know. I think it's stupid that you only have the one affair role thing. And I think you, you using it so stupidly is bad. And Ted replies something along the lines of, I don't know, but somehow you just managed to call me stupid twice in one sentence. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, but Veronica, and Veronica's walking up. And, and he's, like, going to explain that, like, he doesn't actually care about Veronica or whatever, and then Veronica's there. Yeah. So she kind of sends Linda away. And Veronica's well, like... Linda's like, I have good work. She doesn't want to be around. Yeah. And Veronica's like, why is there never any creamer? And Ted answers her. Ants. No. Ghosts. No, I don't know. Which, um, that's going to be my new go-to response when I don't know something, and someone asks me a question. I think it's going to work. I don't know if that's a good answer, but sure. Sure. It, it is. It okay. is a good answer. So then Veronica explains to Ted that she can't really have him working on the meat project because Legal doesn't want Phil... Can't, can't have Phil working on the meat project. Yeah. Yep. They can't really have Phil working on anything and they don't want him working on anything until they know he's not going to sue because they froze him. And I, I don't remember if it's here or if it's later. It doesn't particularly matter because time is a weird thing. They do present another theory that Legal has as to why Phil might be screaming. And it's that he recently did a magic trick that's had these weird results. Oh, they don't pre- they don't present this theory. Veronica like specifically tells Ted this theory. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And then Ted's like, Yeah, a magic trick where the company he works for cryogenically froze, froze him, him for three days. And then thought him out on accident. So Yeah, that magic trick. They decide the easiest way to well, Ted presents the easiest way to prevent Phil from suing is just to make him feel like a valued member of the team. So we then immediately cut downstairs. Like everyone is assembled. It is an immediate cut again. Not everyone. Only the higher ups. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Yeah. Everyone is assembled in the executive lunchroom that is allowed there. So the executive. I realized I was phrasing it weird, but my mind I was like already going in that form. Yeah, I just, I was like, not everybody's there. Because yeah. that. So they present him with this golden flask with a. The Trailblazer Award. Yes, it, it's a golden flask with a. um. Beaker? Test tube, yeah, above it, pouring into the flask, mm-hmm. and it's made of rubber. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's made of rubber. Like, no, it's made of rubber. We see it like flex later. Yeah, I mean, it could just be a poor attachment. No, it, no, 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 it. it flex, but it bounces like, up and down. Boop, 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 yeah. Boop, boop, boop. So Phil goes to give a speech, and he's like, "Cryonics, you can't spell the first part without cry." So you know, it has to be, be good. good. Yeah, and he doesn't know where anywhere to go, and then he starts doing his scream again. 
Yeah, he just erupts into a scream. And the executive look like they have no idea what the fuck's going on because he's just going, Gah! Yes. So, <laughs> Veronica's like, she compares it to the screech of an eagle and its bravery and He's a hero. And she starts clapping and tells them they shall clap. And then... She doesn't tell them. She just, like, looks at them until they do. Yeah. So everyone claps. And she also says that he has access to the executive lunchroom as much as he wants. For a week. For a week. Which she has that part under her breath. Yep. And then we cut back down to the lab. Yes. And Phil is talking about the award ceremony again. He is surrounded by other... We know it's again because Lim is like, oh yes, tell this story again. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. Talk about the tables Phil and how they had legs to hold, hold them up. Phil is surrounded by other scientists. And one of them, she's like, do the eagle screech. He's like, I can't. I can't just do it on command. It has to ease its way yeah. out of me. And then Lim's like... Like defecation, except out of, your, out of his mouth yeah. and louder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Phil is then so, tells Lim that he's better than him, basically, yeah, and, and that he's just going to get used to it. Phil and Lim get in a fight, and then we cut to Linda and Ted heading to the food testing area. Yes. Where, where their only meaningful interaction outside of that is Ted telling her to stop stealing creamer again. Because she's going to get caught, and if she gets caught, she's going to get fired. And if she's fired, she's not there. Yeah. That's, like, legitimately something he says. Which, to Linda, is probably a good thing, because now she can hook up with Ted. Yep. He's no longer an office affair. So we walk into a small room where there is Jerome, the taste tester, who is back. He's no longer blinded. They just had to scrape some extra fun off his optic nerve. <laughs> yeah. And it is like a small interrogation room. It is like cinder blocks, metal table, and a the light. Food, the food just appears out of a chute in the wall. Yeah. It, it looks like it's on like a conveyor belt that goes directly to the wall. And there's a small little plexiglass door for it. Yep. And they give him the food and he takes a bite of it. And he's like, this tastes familiar. Like beef? No. Like like chicken? We, we can settle for chicken. Mm-mm. Despair. Are you sure he doesn't just need a little salt? Mm-mm. Yeah. So then they leave the room. And Ted's like, don't worry. As long as Lim and Phil are working together, they can solve this. Yeah. And then Lim, Lim's out in the hallway. Oh, yeah. We did talk about it earlier when he was talking about why she needs Phil on the team. Why Veronica needs Phil. I think it could fit here. Oh. Because it's not a problem with, with Lim and Phil because... Lim and Phil have made some great progresses. They've 100% mastered retinal scanning. Retinal scanning. They made the newest version of pepper spray. Yeah. And they're the best dancers in the company. Yes. So when they walk out, we see Lim. And he's just like, Ted, I don't think I can work with Phil, Phil anymore. And we cut to what should be a commercial. But then we open back up with Ted in Veronica's office. And he's like, we've created a monster down in the lab. And Veronica's like, no, it's not a monster. It's a cyborg. It's a cyborg assassin it kills on command and i was talking about phil what, what were you talking about nothing don't worry about it i was, no it's i was also talking about phil they, they mentioned the cyborg again here because then she's like yeah yeah but she says i was also talking about phil she also mentions like if only if only we could make it kill the targets we wanted to and not just yeah it'll be a really a mindless nice killing effective machine. tool when we can get it to stop killing everything in front of it when it can tell the difference between a kid and a soldier yeah and so he explains to her about phil becoming an egotistic monster and she stands up and she's like i can handle he's like don't hurt him and then we cut to veronica and phil down in the well we cut to phil surrounded by a bunch of executives in the executive who uh, have like apparently easily embraced this man they're all actively looking at him with rapt attention while he's talking we don't actually hear what they're talking about and then veronica shows up and she just shoots off all the executives she's like no go away she, yeah she, so she, which also implies she's not just ted's boss but she's actually like a boss boss like, which you know does make sense given the fact that he is the head of an entire department an important department like research and development and she is his boss yeah that's fair but it does make me question why she spent so much fucking time on his floor yeah well it's because he's on his floor and she made it clear that she wasn't done with him earlier maybe she's not sure yeah she's not sure he just can't be with linda because that'll make her look bad yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways so Veronica sits down next to Phil and basically starts flirting with him. Yeah. Talking about how she likes the way he says her name and asks for his autograph. And then she's like, and can you initial here and here and sign here again and date here? And he just goes along with it because she's like been flirting with him trying to get like. Yeah. And she's like, oh, would you look at that? Out of all the papers I could just pick up. Have you sign? This is an agreement that you won't sue us for, for us freezing you. Yeah. And he's like. But Veronica, she's like, 
don't say my name. Get back in the lab. Find them. Get back to work. Yeah. So Phil comes back into the lab disheartened because he's not an actual hero. And Ted's there with Lemon. Ted's like, yeah, but I thought you deserved to be recognized as a hero. Like, yeah. what you did was actually really brave. And Phil's like, oh, well, thanks. And Lemon's like, I still can't work with you. So... Yeah, they, they're still fighting about how Phil's kind of an idiot for being frozen. And so Lim leaves and Phil's like, after 10 years, how can he just leave me? Yeah. And Ted's like, well, when you chose to get frozen, you were like, you chose to leave him. Like, just suddenly. Can you imagine how that made him feel? So Phil sets off to go get Lim, so he goes to the door. He's like, oh, you, but you missed his Phil's best line oh, in this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. How can I know so much about the bonds of chemicals? But so little about the bonds of friendship. Yes. So then he goes to chase after Lim, but Lim's waiting outside the doors. Yeah, because he was sent to work with Richie and Fuzzle, the names of other scientists in this fucking company. Richie, Richie makes sense. Fuzzle. 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 I hope Fuzzle is a fucking nickname. (laughs) Not really. I want to keep watching this show and have someone legitimately be named Fuzzle. And when Phil opens the door, Lim's like, you could have died. Who would have been my lab partner then? Richie and Fuzzle? And then they go off about how they don't know anything about, let's use some sciencey terms here for growing meat. And so they've decided that the issue with the meat earlier is that real cows move, move and do stuff and thus build muscle fiber. So they should do something to build the muscle fiber of the blob. And we get a quick, like, what are they called? Montage? Yeah, a quick montage of them trying different things. They massage And, the and just doing research in general. I mentioned the research in general because there's this amusing part where they have a full-grown cow in the lab. And Phil is just leaning over with, like, a small hammer that you test reactions with on the human body, like, hitting the kneecap and stuff. He's just tapping on the side of this cow with his head pressing against its side, like, okay. So this is what a cow sounds like. Other parts of the montage include massaging the meat and putting the cowless beef in a paint can and shaking it in a paint mixer. Until it becomes liquid. Which doesn't really do what they went, what they were trying to do. Yeah. Also staring intently at the meat cut into a thin slice. Uh, um, well, not, looking not, at not their meat, but yeah. like actual, actual steak. Meat. Yeah. And like looking at it with a light behind it, scrutinizing it like that. Yeah. It ends with them sticking electrodes into the meat and just creating a pulse circuit that makes it yeah. throb. Like, And then as they're getting ready to leave, we see Phil put some of the material left over from the chairs from last episode on top of the meat like a blanket. Because earlier in the episode, he tried to name the blob of meat. He wanted to name it Blobby, like Bobby L. And we got a little bit of backstory there that, they, that there was a carrot in the lab at some point. That they named Chester. And... Phil had trouble eating the carrot later because he had named it. Yeah, and he even says he still misses it. Which I just really want this carrot to have been... Chester. I want Chester to have been like a living carrot, like functional, animate, capable of moving around, somewhat sentient. So we still stay in montage basically because they don't really give us more dialogue yet. Yeah. But we go back down to the testing room with Jerome and Lim and Phil... Are the ones administering the test this time. And he sees the meat and basically runs off. He's like, nope, not eating the spare meat again. And so they run after him. They manage to pin him against a wall and shove the meat in his face. And he smiles, like a really bright smile. And then we cut to Ted and everybody at a table in a meeting. And they're all trying samples of the meat. And they're all like, yeah, this is good. And then they're in like a massive auditorium on a stage, carting out a nice spread with the meat. A platter with like a cooked roast. It it just has normal garnishes around it. And then Victoria picks it up to hold it forever. They take a picture. And then Ted explains, the meat's really fucking expensive though. So $10,000 a pound still. Yeah. So it's not going to be a thing anytime soon. And so... Ted's talking about how he solved this problem and he's good at solving problems and we get him in the break rooms putting creamer back in the creamer stations out of a brown shopping bag and then Linda shows up and she's like what what are you doing he's like solving problems I can't not solve problems she's like I can't steal the creamer now I'm stealing it from you that doesn't solve my problem what am I gonna do now so she's hitting on him implying that you know what you could do to help keep me sane like she's like standing like and reduce my stress right up against him and like running her hand down his stomach A way to reduce my stress. I don't have to steal. You don't have to only have one office affair. It's not like voting. You can hit more than one ballot. He's like, I don't want to vote around. Yeah. And that's where the credits start rolling. Then we cut from that scene to her in the bathroom. Yeah. Sitting in a chair. Because Ted does have a solution. He is a problem solving guy. Sitting in a chair on a stool reading a book. And she's just like waving her hand back and forth in front of the sensor. In front of the towelizer. The sensor on the towelizer. And there's just feed a feed a feed of paper towel in front of her now. Yeah. And that is the end of this episode. Yep.
So, what are your thoughts on Better Off Ted? This episode was a lot less Rose in it. In case you remember, yeah. Rose is Ted's daughter. Yeah, I don't actually think it has any in it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Though this does have more of a like straight plot from the very beginning of the episode to the end. Yeah, it does actually have a like coherent plot. I still don't know if time makes sense because they have five days to... <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It doesn't. Okay. And they have three days. They have 72 hours. No, they have five days. Oh, yeah. Until... And then at the end, they have 72 hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they spend two days with Phil and... Yeah. Yeah. But... Lim fighting. And... It's weird in, w- in a time aspect, but what do you think about the show overall? Like, I like the show. It's a little wonky, but like I said, it still feels like it's a joke every sentence. And like, yeah, it's enjoyable. I like it. I'll probably watch more of it. Yeah. How about yourself? I very much feel the same way. It's amazingly humorous and i really do still think the majority of the work comes from the delivery of the actors yeah although although this episode has a few lines that are just legitimately funny yes the only actor i really recognize is the one that plays veronica she plays the bluth sister in attraction development george michael and michael's sister i knew i recognized her from somewhere yeah she plays the rich sister in the blue family other than her i did recognize jerome he plays the tall doctor that ends up joining hank med on royal pains the neurologically atypical doctor I can't oh yeah yeah him. jerome the the taste tester i already forgot who he was because he's not oh. actually important oh yeah the taste yeah yeah he, no no i recognize him as well i was thinking of like main cast characters oh well i was just really excited to see the dude from hank med i was like oh also, i love this sh- i think i, I recognize pains. linda but i can't name you anyone off the top of my head for her actor or other character wise yeah but despite like knowing any of these actors or characters off the top of my head i think they are all wonderfully great at what they're doing in this show at the very least i also think i recognize phil's voice i don't recognize him yeah his voice sounds almost like i can't remember his name or character in the movie but Lilo and Stitch, um, the skinny alien that's with... Yeah, actually... I don't remember names from Lilo and Stitch, but he sounds... So, Phil sounds kind of like the skinny alien who's kind of manic and crazy. Maybe. I honestly don't remember names. Honestly, it, it doesn't matter. All the actors are great, and I would definitely continue to watch the show. In fact, probably once we finish recording this, I'm probably going to go watch episode three of the show. Oh, no. When we finish recording this, I'm going to go play some more Need for Speed. You do you. I'm going to watch the third episode of the show. I'm going to watch the ad for the third episode of the show and then go play Need for Speed. Yeah. Sorry, let me correct myself. But overall, watch this show. I think is what we're saying, right? Yes. It's funny. It's humorous. And I think it's just a really easy show to watch. And then just go do something else. Like if you just want like a brief bit of funny, you can come back to it. It doesn't have like an overarching plot, at least not in the first two episodes. That's 100% true. Anyways, though, this has been Copilots. Thanks for sticking around with this. And thanks for flying with us, guys. If you want to, you know, leave a review on iTunes, the thing we've been asking you to do recently, that would be greatly appreciated. We have had one. Do, do we want to save that for the episode on the, the 12th? That is for the 12th. We will save that for the 12th. But the next 12th, we might have other stuff going on. Yeah. Do we just want to do that now? I no, can, no, no, because if... Give me one second. I'm pulling it up right now. We said we'd do this, so let's read out this review. Okay, we have one review, and it's from Fallopian Golem. Also known as a... a frequent flyer, if you will. And he titled his review, Why Watch Shows When These Two Suffer For You? We do. We do suffer. And he says, if you don't have time to watch a ton of shows, let these crazy brothers do it for you. If you enjoy witty commentary, dry humor, and a loving and welcoming community, then this is the podcast for you. We do have a welcoming community. It's on our Discord, and if more people were active there, I'd be more active there. It'd also be more welcoming, even though it's already welcoming, and be even more so, because there'd be more people to welcome. I love listening to these two go on about shows twice a month, and hearing about how their lives are going really makes me feel like I'm hanging with the bros, even when I can't because of COVID. Their energy is a great refresher in contrast to other podcasts. I highly recommend it. You hear that? We're highly recommended. We have a high recommendation from someone. I don't like we we've only given a few shows high recommendations. So mainly, we have a high recommendation for our show. Mainly System Mastery. If you don't know what System Mastery is, go listen to System Mastery. They're not paying I mean, me to also, say this. We gave a high recommendation for Wayne. Oh, you're talking about shows we've I was talking watched. About shows we've watched. Like I was thinking other podcasts, and I was, I was like, we've never done a shout out for a podcast. Well, it, we've mentioned System Mastery. Yeah, because like yeah. No, no, no. But I was referring to shows we've watched and then reviewed. Because System Mastery is the only podcast that's currently ongoing that you and I both like and listen to. I mean, other ones are ongoing. They're just on hiatus at the moment. That's what I said. Ongoing right now. Currently making episodes right now. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes so that you can have your iTunes read out as well, regardless of what is in it, as long as there's not words that are highly offensive, we will read it, even if it isn't a five-star. Philippian Golem's review was a five-star. Thank you, Philippian. Yeah. I mean, even if it has offensive words, some of them we might say. Some of them we won't. Take the risk. Take the gamble. Put all the offensive words. It's fine. You're still leaving the review. I'm also sure iTunes has a filter for that. Yeah. But I might be wrong. 
Who knows? Anyways. I think you'd have to report the comment. I wouldn't. Anyways. It could stay. You can leave us a five-star review or any review on iTunes. And if you want to get in contact with us directly, you can... Ask a question, to yell at us, whatever you feel like. suggest shows. That would be useful, too. I mean, we have a whole list now. Like, I found... I have a whole bunch of stuff. Some of which I can't actually find anywhere to watch because they were in... They came out in, like, 1990 and were around for four months and disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah. But we we kind of want to find them because, my God, does it sound horrible. Anyways, if you want to contact us with recommendations like that, you can reach out to us at our Gmail account at... CopilotsReview.com at gmail.com or on twitter at copilots review or on our website at copilots review.simplecast.com and our website happens to have links for all of our social medias our email and even our discord we mentioned earlier yeah so, i mean if those aren't enough social medias for you you could contact us via one of those and tell us what other social medias we should make we probably won't but you can tell us we should or you could contact us via one of those social medias Ask for our address and send us something like through snail mail. We're not going to give you our address. I was just suggesting ways you would contact us, but that's not going to happen. I do like snail. That's not what snail mail is. Anyways, this has been Copilot's Review. Thank you for flying with us. Please fly again soon. Da, 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 da. Was that a John Cena? It was.